you cannot keep that speed up every single day. Like you have to learn to what you're saying is balance and okay, this day I can go at 100 miles an hour, but the next day I have to learn to balance it out with a 50 miles per hour because you cannot be at that speed every day. Like physically, you just can't do it. Welcome back everyone to Diary of an Empath. My next guest today is Dana Colthart. She is a licensed clinical social worker, just like me, who is known on social media for her amazing content, dropping truth bombs and educating on everything mental health. Um, Dana, we were chatting a little bit behind the scenes. And uh, so just like me, you're a licensed clinical social worker. I love that. And you said that this is your first podcast. So I am so excited and humbled. I'm probably more excited than you are since I'm your first one. <laughs> but welcome. No, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Definitely excited to experience what a podcast episode is like. Um, I'm happy. I, I love that this is their, your first one. I don't think I've ever had a guest where I'm the first person that they've had on. So I feel like and I hope that all these doors to podcast just open for you now because I think it's just an amazing way to spread knowledge about what you do because there's a lot the podcast world is getting big right now. And I think it's a great way to like spread mental health awareness. And it's something that you do a lot of. So tell me about your background. Um, how did you get into this niche? And just tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, so 10 years ago, I probably always wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to originally work with people with eating disorders, anxiety, depression. So I ended up going to grad school in Manhattan. And Manhattan is a whole, I'm not sure where you're from, but Manhattan's like a whole different beast uh, to live in. And so I went to school there. I moved up here. I started my career in this kind of, I live five minutes outside of Manhattan now. So I'm surrounded by people that overwork. I feel I've traveled a lot and I feel like if there's any kind of capital of like a place where people overwork, it's kind of Manhattan, North Jersey. I know other cities are like it, but it's it's pretty severe here and I and I saw how it impacted me and how it kind of changed me because I did originally grow up down the shore in New Jersey in a more relaxed environment. I actually, I lived in a Buddhist temple for three years in upstate New really? York. That's a whole nother story. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. And I was, yeah, I was constantly doing like silent meditations and I was like all peaceful up in the wood. I, you know, it wasn't like a magical peaceful. I had some hard moments there, but to go into this overstimulated work, 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 10 jobs, you know, having your PhD isn't enough. You also need to save the world and be a fitness star. And it was just like shocking to me. Um, I think also, too, just I'm somebody that really likes to do my best at things. And I think that kind of perfectionism and being in this environment just stirred up this you know, me just really pushing myself. And so throughout the years, I saw a lot of limits. And that's kind of when I wanted to niche down and try to really help other people, because I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge with my own experience, but also just being a therapist clinically, having that background as well, I feel like I can really apply it to people that have anxiety disorders, or they're struggling with body image or depression, I can see how burnout is playing into those things. Yeah, I could imagine. So I've been to Manhattan, I'm from Chicago. And I live in Florida now. But Manhattan, when I picture it, 
knowing what I've known when I've been there, it is chaotic. It's crazy. It's a city. you got all of these different personalities and different energies. So I can imagine how much of a change that is to be living in a Buddhist temple for three years and to go from that. And one thing that you mentioned that stood out to me is we are in a society that's like, go, go, go. And like you, I've struggled with perfectionism and just doing a million things at once, even still now knowing what I know. So for those listening that maybe are resonating with some of what you say, and when we hear the word burnout, what does that mean? What is burnout? So burnout's a little bit different from stress. It's not just your regular stress. It's burnout happens over time. And from just really chronically feeling depleted at work, feeling run down, it happens when we don't have time to rejuvenate ourselves. So when you feel stressed and you rejuvenate yourself and you relax, then you can kind of build up this um, ability to deal with stress again. But when you don't have that break and that time to take a break and kind of fill your glass back up, then the burnout, that's when burnout happens. So it's chronic stress that you don't recover from and then you feel burnt out. And with burnout, you feel exhausted. You might be like slumped over on your desk. You just don't have the ability to kind of get out of bed. Like you're just like, I can't do this. You might like lay on your couch and know I have to do this. I have this deadline, but you just like you can't get up to do it because you're just tired and you're burnt out and you've depleted all of your energy. I feel like that happens a lot in our society because I I don't know about you, but I started traveling a couple years ago. And when I started going to other places, I noticed the cultural differences and the cultural norms, especially when it comes to the expectations of what we should be doing with our time, with work. So you go overseas and someone says, I'm going to go on holiday and it's normal. People don't bat an eye. You should be going on holiday once, twice, three, four times a year. Here you say, oh yeah, I'm going on vacation. As a matter of fact, I'm going to Switzerland in uh, on Wednesday. And I've had people say, what? You're going to Switzerland? Wow, you're lucky. How did you manage that? What are you going to do with your job? What are you going to do with your daughter? You know, so it's all these questions because our society is not used to that. There are some people who take breaks, but I would say as a whole, we're taught that it's normal to go to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, and we're like hamsters on a wheel. So when someone's talking about burnout, um, And maybe they feel these obligations of, well, I have to go to work. I have to take care of the kids. I have to do these things. I don't have time to do this, you know, the stuff for myself. And if they're feeling this shame or this guilt, how do you navigate that? If someone comes to you and says, you know, Dana, listen, I'm, I want to do these things, but I feel guilty if I don't, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I would challenge them to see kind of what you're saying, like, where did that come from? Like, where did you get this idea that you have to do 10,000 things, or you have to work a 40 hour work week, which I want to bring that up at some point, because I feel like that in and of itself is completely unhealthy. Yeah. Um, But just challenging, where did you get those views? Who told you that? Why do you feel like, and just kind of pointing out where that guilt's coming from. Like it, it doesn't, just because you have a feeling, just because you feel guilty, it doesn't mean that's indicative of something bad going on. 
doesn't mean you did something wrong. I feel guilty taking a break, but that's because society has kind of ingrained in you that you should be working all the time. Doesn't mean you did anything wrong. And we kind of need to work on reprogramming that. And you eventually you'll start to see a lot of negative physical and mental health repercussions of burnout. So you mentioned you have thoughts on the nine to five. I'm curious to hear what you think about that. Because I, I have mine. That's for sure. I just think it's terrible. And I think <laughs> just to be blunt, I just think it's not realistic. It's a recipe for burnout in the best environment. Like, you know, those companies you hear about working for that are like, they send you on all these vacations and it's great. And I still think even in those environments, it's just too much. Because when you tack on all our other responsibilities, it's just impossible to do that and kind of take care of everything else. You have to tack on commuting and all like all the toll. It takes on like, again, going back to the Manhattan, North Jersey area, like there's so much traffic here and commuting into the, anybody around here like has a commute and that, you know, just the traffic and the stimulation, like that's another 10 hours. So now you're working 40 hours and you have a 10 hour kind of stressful commute and it's so 50 hours. And then after that, you need to clean and cook. And it's just, it's, there's no way it's healthy. Like I would argue with anybody. Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. I agree. I think the nine to five is a trap. I think that our society has programmed us to believe that this is what you're supposed to do, get in line, do the do the thing that you're supposed to do to be a good citizen and work 9 to 5. And it's crazy to think that just, you know, a little over 100 years ago, the norms were even worse back then in terms of the expectations with labor laws and even the age of people that can work. You had kids and teenagers that were working at one point, especially during the Great Depression. And I have tried to shift my mind frame out of that too, because I was right aligned with all of that. My goal was I'm going to get my um, LCSW and I'm going to work for the VA. And that's exactly what I did. And I found myself at this quote unquote, dream job that I wanted, because that was the job that everyone wanted to be at, everyone wanted to be at the VA. And I found myself not happy. And I was burned out. I couldn't even function at work. I was to the point where I was not thinking straight, foggy brained, had no motivation to come at, come to work. I found myself calling out of work more because I had no motivation to be there rather than just being sick or having sick days. And when I got to that point, I had to really evaluate and align where my values were. What are my value systems? And my value systems is what fulfills me. And does what I'm doing right now fulfill me? And I totally get that not everybody has that luxury to say, well, I can't just leave my job. I have to pay the bills. But maybe there are other things you can start aligning yourself with or start questioning or even start doing at your job 
that might alleviate some of that stress. So let's talk about that. If somebody's at work and they have a career, they can't leave it because they have to pay the bills, whatever they got to do. What are some of the things that they can do within their scope, maybe being at work to alleviate some symptoms of burnout? There is some practicality to it. Like I am completely aware that I don't know the percentages of, but I'm going to guess like 90% of people just can't get up and change their whole life and quit their job and they have responsibilities and bills. And so step one for me would be manage the situation that you're in now or the job that you're in now and make it healthier while you have an exit strategy. So ways that you can manage it would be delegate responsibilities. I think one other good thing is, so say you're going 100 miles an hour at work and you're giving 100% every day just because you're one of those people pleaser. I need to like perfectionist. I need just kind of trying to keep that in check as well and realizing the negative side effects to that and really just trying to tone it down a little bit. I didn't get everything done perfectly today. I could stay till six, but I'm going to leave at five because this is kind of part of my journey now. I really want to be more balanced with work. So I think really trying to be careful to take things down a notch, not do everything at your max level of effort. Everything doesn't need to be done at your max level. (laughs) Because I think that's also a recipe kind of for I'm not saying do a bad job at things, but just rereading, checking, editing over and over, like, sometimes you just need to be like, okay, it's good enough. That's it. I'm, you know, I did my work, I'm going, you know, to relax now. So I think that's really helpful. Delegating things is helpful. You know, if you could have a coworker or someone else help you with stuff, or if it's practical for you to be able to delegate things at home and like ask for help within your family unit or friends, or you have the ability and you can hire someone like I think that's all great too. You know, sometimes I hear from people like they feel guilty hiring someone to clean the house or asking someone for help. I'm like, you need to take care of yourself. Like it's nothing to feel guilty for. You don't want to spend your whole life working like you need to rejuvenate. You need to relax. Like you need time for yourself. And if you're spending 50 hours and you need help, ask for help, hire help, ask for help if hiring is not possible. So I think that's also really important too. There's a few things that you said that stood out. One of those being not to feel shame or guilt for asking for help, because I think a lot of us want to take on all of these things by ourselves. And yes, we're in this generation of superwoman and independence and not just women, men too, but I am guilty of that. I want to take on the world and I think I can take on the world. And most of the time I can, but at the expense of what? It's a lack of balance. And that's another thing I hear you saying is, is balance is really going to be key to either delegate or try to alleviate some of that stress. But one thing that I keep hearing you say over and over again is talking about perfectionism. Do you feel like there's a link with perfectionism and and burnout? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that overachiever, perfectionist, type A personality is definitely very prone to burnout. Just because that type of person is always going to want, and I could speak from personal experience, is always going to want to do their best at everything. And I was kind of giving the example of going 100 miles an hour, like you cannot keep that speed up every single day, like you have to learn to what you're saying is balance. And 
okay, this day I can go at 100 miles an hour, but the next day I have to learn to balance that out with a 50 miles per hour because you cannot be at that speed every day. Like physically, you just can't do it. Do you feel like there was a specific time in your life where you had some of these issues with burnout or that it was moving too fast? Because you mentioned going to a Buddhist temple. I mean, I could imagine what I'm just curious, what struck that or what, how, I need to know this story of how did you get into the Buddhist temple? It's like a whole nother story. Um, so my dad is a Buddhist and so my mom's Catholic, my dad's Buddhist. So I was introduced at a very young age and just got very interested in it and it really resonated with me. It's funnily enough, it's very similar to CBT therapy. You know, CBT is very identifying different thought patterns and replacing them. And I found, you know, a lot of meditations like that. It's kind of identifying, you know, with Buddhism, like self-cherishing minds, really focusing on yourself, replacing that with compassion and focusing on other people. So it just resonated with me. It resonated with my career. And I just decided to kind of go for it. So that's that's awesome. I mean, that's not every day that, yeah, I just decided to go live at a Buddhist yeah. temple for three years. But I love the concept of that because we're always go, go, go in this society. And burnout is a real thing. And I think that when you spend time just being mindful and present, it's something that people struggle with. They really do. I mean, we are in an age of technology. Everybody's on their phones. Everybody's distracted. There's always something going on. And when you have to actually sit down and sit with your thoughts, that can be uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, that's why I made that um, little joke before. Where I was like, it wasn't all rainbows and you know, butterflies, sunshine. It, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to sit in silence with your mind and thoughts. I also think that being up there and at the temple, I was around like a lot of Buddhist nuns and monks. And so in that environment, people really, their focus is on spirituality. And that's what their goals are. And I think as people, where we put ourselves and our environment impacts us so much. I think you could be the most self-confident, secure, I know who I am, but that's just in human nature to be impacted by your environment. So I think in that environment, I was very much impacted by them. I was focusing on my internal well-being. And then I went to this area and everyone's, I don't want to fully say materialistic, but very, you know, focused on money and goals and appearance and families. And it's, there's very little focus on spirituality. I think I kind of fell into that. And I just, over the years, saw how negative of an impact it had on me. And for most people that are in the social work field, maybe some of you that are listening know the term person and environment. For those that don't, it's a concept that we learn. It's like indoctrinated from day one of school. And, And it pretty much states that you can be a product of your environment, what's going on in your environment that is causing maybe some of the the behaviors that are going on with someone. It's not just like, okay, this is what's wrong with you. But you also have to look at what's going on in that person's environment that might be causing some of the things that are happening. And I think that that speaks to even going on with burnout and what you said, you can take somebody and put them in a huge society that expects you to do everything, you know, in a 24 hour period from going to work, take care of the kids, cook dinner and do all of these things. But then you take that same person and you put them in a Buddhist temple 
and they're calm, cool, and collected because their environment has changed. Nothing's really changed about the person. They're still them, but the environment has changed. Do you think that social media has contributed to burnout as a society? Yes, definitely. You know, you always see that hashtag hustle. I see a lot of fitness. Everyone's all of a sudden a fitness expert. Uh, like, it's like really extreme too. like people are like competing and they're like in running marathons, but they also have these really successful careers. And but they're also they have a family and they have kids. And I'm like, how this is not real. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I still haven't met those people in real life that are doing all those things and are mentally healthy. That has never happened. Oh, I 100% agree with that. The way they're presenting it, and I'm not criticizing anyone, people can share what they want on social media. I don't think people need to curate what they're sharing. But I do think it gives an illusion that these people are doing it all with a happy, healthy mind, and they're having no physical repercussions. But you know, underneath that person probably has a lot of anxiety, maybe some depression, there's probably burnout going on, maybe they're getting injured a lot in the gym, maybe they have sleep problems, like there's so much more than what we're seeing on social media. Social media is not real. It's not. It doesn't matter how much of a pretty picture that someone paints. They are showing you what they want to show you. And again, to each his own. You post whatever you want on your social media. I've, I've done that. I've posted travel pics and happy pics. And I had to come to a conclusion that social media is not all it's equipped to be. That's why I always tell people, it's your library clean up your library. If you're looking at fitness models and it's making you feel bad about yourself, then unfollow and follow things that are going to be helpful or educational or help you to feel better, not feel worse. Because the reality is, and, and I like that you brought up fitness because I competed for three years and I've been in the bodybuilding industry. God, I've been doing this for 12 years now. And you don't know what drugs that person is taking. You don't know what type of diets they're on, the restrictions that's on eating. And if anyone says, and I, I did a podcast episode with Dr. Morgan Francis, who is amazing. And you know, she even brought up that people who have like this diet culture mentality almost have this like, like I'm better than you because I am eating clean when in reality, a lot of that clean eating is disordered eating. And I think that when we see something, we think that these people are doing so good and then we compare ourselves. Why am I not living my best life like them? Why am I not able to make it to the gym and take care of the kids and clean up. And I I say that as a blanket statement. I'm not saying that's what women should do. But as a mom myself, you know, I have had these thoughts of, okay, well, this person and this person and this person are doing it. I should be able to do it too. And I have at the expense of my physical and my mental health. And I got to a point where my adrenals were completely tanked. I was completely burned out. My sleep was being affected. I was having all these physical and mental symptoms. And it's something that although I've gotten better at even now, I still struggle with it because it's that perfectionism in me. I almost can't stop it. I don't know how to stop. So for those that are listening, like, and they're like, well, I don't know how to stop. What do you say to that? Because I don't, I don't know how to stop. (laughs) 
I think, so when you were talking about the cost, that's like the one thing that jumped out to me as the most. So I think you really need to do like a cost analysis of, is this worth it? Yes, I could do it, but is it worth my adrenal going to crap? I don't, sorry if I'm cursing. (laughs) Oh, you can cuss on this show. You very much can be your authentic self. (laughs) You know, is it worth problems in my relationship? Is it worth missing this? Is it worth missing that? Is it worth my anxiety going through the roof, having all these physical health problems. I feel like most of the time, if people really analyzed it like that, they would be like, no, it's, it's not. And if they are saying, yes, it's worth it. Like, yes, it's worth my health. It's worth my relationships. It's worth my, I would question what's going on there. I had to do that. And I came to a conclusion that yes, I want my podcast to succeed. And I'm not willing to give it up. And I'm not willing to give up doing my readings. Like, it was like this guilt of, well, I went to college for seven and a half years, and I took another two years to get licensed. I'm like, oh, I can't give that up either. But what makes me happy? What fulfills me? Where are my priorities? Well, what makes me happy is my daughter helping my clients and doing my podcast. So I had to make a hard decision to leave my job full time and go part time. I wasn't willing to completely take the jump, but I had to make some type of change. I knew that I couldn't continue doing what I was doing for another year because I did this for two years, working a full time job, taking on two extra clients after work, and then also doing my podcast, still going to the gym still being a single mom. I mean, I was doing all of these things and I wasn't getting done till 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was, it was really, really bad. And it got to the point where I'm like, I'm going to make this decision. And I had to. I've been there too, to be honest. Like I've had, trying to think the most jobs I've had. I think I've had three, three to four jobs at once. Um, I was a fitness trainer too. So I also Mm, um, have some stuff in common. Yeah, I have background with that. You know, that just a typical perfectionist, like I want to be good at this and this. You want to kind of be good at everything. I can relate with you. I think that too, like a lot of that stems from my childhood with, you know, things from not having that support and kind of growing up into this, I have to do everything good because if I don't, there's not going to be anyone there to support me. So I think my burnout stems from that perfectionism. Do you see any links with other types of disorders such as anxiety or OCD? Yeah, so I definitely think kind of going along the lines of what you were just saying about anxiety and, you know, your link to your childhood too and feeling like I need to take care of this because nobody else is. So before when I was saying that I would question if there was something else underneath that, because I think that anxiety pushes us to do more than we really need to because we're so scared of what if I can't pay the bills? Or what if I don't get this done? But when you really like look at things, it's a lot of the times irrational, and you probably can get by with less. But our anxiety kind of pushes us to take on that extra job to feel safe and feel like, okay, like, you know, I have some extra savings or, you know, I did a little bit of extra at work today, so I'm definitely not going to get fired. So I think it's that control piece, wanting to have the safety and doing probably a lot more than you really need to, to get by just so you feel safe. It's kind of, you're trying to alleviate that anxiety within you. I agree. And I think too, that going back to what we were talking about, how it's hard to sit with your thoughts. 
when I had nothing to do or when I have a day where there's nothing going on, I feel unproductive. I feel guilty for not being productive. If I sleep in and I don't do anything for the day, I actually feel like shit. I'm like, I didn't do anything today. Instead of thinking, wow, I had a day to not do anything. And it's crazy how my mind will go there. My mind will go to the negative. Like you should have done more. You're unproductive. When you're unproductive, you're not good enough. When you're not good, you know, it's like all of these negative things would start ruminating. And I'm trying a lot harder now because I teach this stuff, but you know, you could preach to the choir all day, but we're all human, right? But even now I, I have to really be mindful and make a conscious effort to say, you have nothing to do today. You worked your ass off for the last five days. It's okay if you don't get the laundry done. It's okay if the house doesn't get clean today. You have to relax. You have to listen to your body. Your body is obviously telling you you need some rest, but it's that perfectionist mindset of go, 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 go. I need to get things done. So how about is when we talk about burnout throughout someone's lifetime, do you see with your clients, is there like a certain time that we're more predispositioned to having burnout in our life? So I, I don't, I really think burnout can kind of strike at any time, age, any different type of transition, non-transition. I really, I've seen it in so many ages, so many different areas. So I, I don't really see a link with that. So it's just like it depending on your life circumstances and things that are going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of if you're taking care of yourself or not. That's kind of whether or not burnout occurs. Now, if somebody comes to you and they say, Dana, listen, I'm suffering with burnout. I don't know how to control it. I feel like I have no choice but to keep doing these things. How do you treat this? So if someone's presenting you with these things, what do you do? Like what are what are their options? And maybe even for somebody who can't afford to come to a therapist, what are some solid tools and protocols that they can implement themselves starting today? Yeah. So I wanted to mention earlier, I think self-love is very important in this because I think the stronger your self-love is, the better you're able to listen to your body and not feel guilty because it's, I mean, you're just loving yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You're, I, and it's, you don't need to work to deserve a day off. It's just, you deserve it because you're you. It's not, you know, I'm going to reward myself now. So I've definitely seen a correlation with that. Like the, my own, within my own self too, I see it with clients, with other people, like the kind of the stronger your self love is, the easier it'll be to turn around that guilt feeling or that like, I need to keep going. I would suggest starting there with someone just really trying different ways to work on your self love, whether that if you can't afford a therapist, reading books, watching YouTube, there's so much free information out there now podcasts, I mean, there's whole podcasts just on self love. So I think you can consume lots of information how to increase your self-love. I would definitely start there. I think that's a great place to start. I love the suggestion about podcasts. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, this is a great place to start. And, you know, also even just the things that you offer, you know, if anyone's listening and and you are resonating with this, um, I'm going to link everything for everyone to follow you too. And I always like to end my podcast with asking, it's like a tradition that I I always like to ask my guests, if you could give yourself any piece of advice when you were younger, 
what would that be? That's a, it's hard, a hard one, right? <laughs> um, just to not not be so hard on myself. That came pretty quick to me. Yeah, and I think speaking of that, it's like you know, I think that goes hand in hand with burnout. You know, we we are all are hard on ourselves. It's really hard not to be in this generation. Yeah, and I think it just causes so much unnecessary stress. Like I was talking earlier about unnecessary anxiety when you really practically can pay your bills or you'd be fine if you did something else. But we just feel like we need to be so tough on ourselves and we need to do a million things. And I I definitely think that that even at this point in my life, I can look back and say a lot of that was unnecessary. I did not need to be so hard on myself. Like everything kind of worked out fine. There was no reason to push myself. So I think moving forward, that's also I'm trying to incorporate that now into my life. It is hard. (laughs) Like I am human too. You know, I'm trying to find my balance too, because so I did leave my full-time job in January. Good for you. Yeah. So I went into private practice and I'm, I'm working for a private practice, but I'm also starting my own. So I'm juggling a business, working for a place. I usually went to the gym every day. So now I'm, my gym routine is really cut in half and I'm like feeling a little guilty about that but I'm just trying to use affirmations like it's okay and just kind of trying to reprogram how I'm looking at productivity and being realistic and it's sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow like that you can't do all those things because you want to but I think just knowing like I can't see seven clients a day work on social media do a bunch of reels answer emails deal with my personal life, clean, cook, and then go for the go to the gym. Like it's just I see again, going back to social media, I see all these people doing it around me. So I'm like, you know, I get caught into that thinking I can do it too. So it's I have to reprogram myself all the time. And you know, that doesn't mean that they're healthy. It doesn't mean that they're and not in a judgmental way. But you know, from my own personal experience, you know, if I did push myself to go to the gym, or if I did take on some extra work, it ends up me being really tired, kind of lashing out more, you know, maybe have it maybe getting injured at the gym, not doing my job to the best of my abilities, forgetting things like I, I just, it's just not possible to do everything. You have to give yourself some some space and some forgiveness. And I'm same thing with you. I'm actively working on that. And people don't know how much goes into social media management. And I'm starting to wonder too. And I'm like, man, do they have assistance? Do they have somebody? (laughs) Because I need whatever they have. But my problem is I'm so much of a perfectionist. I'm scared to hire someone because I'm afraid they won't do it like me. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds so narcissistic in a way. But when you're so used to having something done a certain way, it's almost like, it's that nudge in me that I'm like, nope, why are you going to pay someone when you can do it yourself and you know how it will turn out? You know that it'll be just the way you like it. And again, it's try- I'm trying to let that go to understand that maybe I do need some help. Maybe I do need to allow that space in. And for the record, there are a lot of people out there, content creators like me and you, who do have social media managers and help. And, you know, so you're right. You can't always just like compare yourself because a lot of people do have help and some don't, but it's important that we, you know, remember that everybody's different. Everybody has different circumstances and that we don't compare ourselves. So thank you for sharing that. And I I agree. I agree a hundred percent. 
Yeah, delegation is definitely really, it's really hard, especially when you're doing your own business, like you want it to be free, it's kind of representing you, but it's so it's so important to stay balanced and healthy and have time for your family and have time to take care of yourself and do other things because there's so many other things, you know, I feel like our, our society is so focused on work. And I know before when you were saying like you traveled, like you go to different places and people don't care as much. Like they're just like living their lives. They're not, they're not obsessed with producing. I feel like we're also obsessed with producing and it's never enough. It's like this endless rat race where you, you Mm -hmm. get, get your master's and you want to get a PhD or, or you, you reach that goal. Then you're onto this goal and it's, it's never enough. It's always this upward journey of like, I need to keep going. But then it's like, well, when do you stop to enjoy the view? When do you enjoy the journey? Because it's always like, well, if I do this, I'm going to be happy. Well, now if I do this, I'm going to be happy. If I get the house, I'm going to be happy. If I get the girl or the guy, I'm going to be happy. Or if I have X amount of money, I'm going to be happy. But if you ask a lot of these people, okay, well, when you got that, were you happy? A lot of times I hear no. I wanted the next thing and the next thing. And it's like, great, be goal oriented. But at what point do you enjoy where you're at right now, right now? And a lot of people don't stop to actually enjoy what and be present and and, and just take it all in. Because then what's going to happen? You're going to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old doing a life review and like, damn, I had everything that I needed in that moment to be happy. And I couldn't absorb it enough. I was so, so stuck in the future and what I needed to do to be happy that I couldn't be happy right then. And then next thing you know, it's all going to pass you by. And I think that's where I have the most struggles is just trying to be present. But I know, I know, I know, I know that if I don't try harder and if I don't just try to be present, then I'm going to regret it. And I think that's what I would tell my younger self is to just be present and enjoy what you have right now. Yeah, no, it's so, so important. That was, I don't think I could have said it better myself. Like it was very well said. It's so important that we be present because I think so many people will get to that age and they'll be like, well, well, what did I do? I didn't enjoy anything. I agree. Well, Dana, I appreciate all of the nuggets of wisdom that you dropped today. And thank you for letting me pop your podcast cherry. I'm so grateful and humbled. And I can't wait to see you on more podcasts because I think that this is just going to open the door for more. And I, I can't wait to see what the future has in store for you. And thank you for just continuing to educate people on mental health. We need more of that. For anyone listening, I am going to drop all of the links to where you can find Dana. Dana, her website, her Instagram, definitely follow because she posts some amazing content. Um, Dana, thank you so much. I'm so humbled for you coming on. Thanks for having me. I love this. This is so much fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you.